Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Thursday. February the 24th, 2022, Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. This time, joined by Charlie Potter. We talked with Charlie a couple weeks ago. A lot has happened since that time, including a couple of perfect starts, Charlie, for the Alabama baseball and softball teams on the Diamonds. Yeah, it's been a great start of the season for both of those teams. Um, you know, softball, this time of year is always kind of hard to keep up with because they play so many games with the, the tournament play, going out to Arizona for some warm weather and some big wins over um, you know, teams like Arizona, Oregon State, and then this past weekend, you know, in Tuscaloosa, um, and then beating Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, what are they, 9-0? It's just 9-0 and, and three wins over yeah. top 10 teams, yeah. And then, you know, we were, um, I believe it was Sunday, we were walking around campus. I was just keeping up with both games on my phone. And um, Montana Fouts, man, it's just every inning, it's just strikeout after strikeout after strikeout. Which she had 12 <laughs> in her last outing. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. standard for, for Montana, isn't it? And yeah. then for baseball, um, you know, good start. You know, Xavier's not a bad club. And then to get a couple of midweek games playing some younger guys, you know, that's big. And they're going to be tested this weekend coming up against – Texas, who, if I'm not, not mistaken, they're number one in the country. Number one team in the country, and the two teams haven't seen each other since the 1983 College World Series and the National Championship game in Omaha. All those years ago, you had Roger Clemens, you had Calvin Schiraldi for Texas. I know, I'm dating myself once again here <laughs> on the podcast, but Dave Magadan for Alabama, outstanding hitter, but you're absolutely correct. The stakes go up in Austin and kind of a preview for the football team as far as road trips to Austin go and some future SEC matchups for both football and baseball with the University of Texas set to join the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, it's been a good start, no doubt, for Brad Bohannon's team. I guess, Charlie, some of the names you would expect, Drew Williamson, Zane Denton, Owen Diodati, William Hammeter. But you also saw some unexpected pop from Jim Jarvis in the win over Bama State on Wednesday and a couple of new faces that are helping out as well. But no, Austin will tell us a lot more about this team. As for the softball team, you said it just so many games. Alabama goes to Lafayette later this evening to take on the Raging Cajuns, a top 20 team, and then we'll spend through the weekend playing six games in four days. Now softball entirely different based on pitching and things like that, shorter games, stuff like that. But uh, boy, Murph knows how to schedule him though. You said it, he goes to Tucson for the opening weekend 
And anytime there's an event called the Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras Mambo, I would probably <laughs> want to go to that too. And it's a, uh, it's a good, good weekend to be in, in Louisiana and mobile area. So, uh, off they go, Alabama softball, you know, with those six games between now and Sunday could come back to Tuscaloosa at 15 and Oh, and they've got some new faces as well. Megan Bloodworth, Dallas, good night, uh, transfers and Ashley Prangy, Allie Shipman, but you said it, Montana Fouts, very much the, the, the common denominator and winning for Alabama. Lexi Kilfoyle also very good in the circle as well. Let's get into some men's basketball, Charlie. The Crimson Tide comes off a narrow 74-72 win at Vanderbilt on Tuesday night. The opportunity is there for Alabama with South Carolina visiting on Saturday evening for a 2-0 week and perhaps some separation there in fifth place in the Southeastern Conference. That was pretty much a logjam with four teams going into the midweek. Alabama wins. South Carolina last night beat Mississippi State. So, a battle for fifth place between the Crimson Tide and Gamecocks on Saturday. First, though, some thoughts on Alabama Vanderbilt. Javon Quinterly, I guess, is where we start uh, from the Alabama perspective. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, NATO didn't come out and name anybody when he kind of put out that ultimatum before the Vanderbilt game saying, if you're not going to play defense, we're not going to play you. But uh, it, a lot of people kind of, thought that was the case that he was talking about Javon Quinterly and he was, you know, Quinterly didn't come into the game until I believe um, the 13 29 mark of the first half. So he didn't play the first six and a half minutes. And, you know, JD Davison has been a guy that he's turned the ball over. I mean, both point guards have at times this year, but um, the efforts there. Um, And so that was kind of a message to uh, Javon Quinterly and, you know, boy, did he deliver. He he had 19 points in this game, 17 of them coming in the second half. Really when Alabama had that surge offensively, um, you know, it it cooled off, obviously, uh, late in the second half as Vanderbilt, you know, cut it to to two and then and then tied it. uh, But um, or had a chance to tie it. But, um, yeah, it's it's a situation where. you know, they need him playing like he played last year at this time, and that would be huge for Alabama. And that confidence was there. Um, I, I think they want to see that on a more consistent basis. They obviously want to see it on both ends of the floor. But for him to be able to come out in the second half to, to score 17 points, to hit three threes on three attempts, you know, he was big from the free throw line, especially late uh, with a couple of um, you know crucial ones there. So, yeah, bounce back game for Javon Quinterly. Um, you know, a game Alabama, you know, they haven't had a lot of success in Nashville up there at a Memorial Gymnasium, but to, to come away with a win in which Nate Oates called a, a character win, I think is big because, you know, there were, there were four games left, uh, going into a Tuesday's game to pick one up on the road and to still have two more at home where Alabama's played a lot better, uh, and has a chance to get to 20 wins. I think that's, that's big for this basketball team. No doubt, and absolutely, the table is set for what you would think at worst would be a 3-1 and one finish through those four games. That would put Alabama in excellent position for a top-five spot in the SEC tournament there, likely in fifth. And look, if we're talking about right establishing yourself as a relevant contender 
both in the conference and on the national scene, you need to be a top five team on an annual basis in a very much improved over the last five or six years Southeastern Conference. So, yeah, making a second straight NCAA tournament, obviously that sits atop the list of the uh, to-do items. Uh, but you got to be legitimate within your own league on an annual basis. And, and they have an opportunity to, to finish in a way that uh, will provide them with that. And, you know, when you look at, again, this, this Vanderbilt game and you go into halftime and as bad as Alabama had played, fouled too much, turned the ball over too much, to only be down five at that point, you felt like this team still has a very good shot in the second half. But at the same time, with Jaden Shackelford going as, as, as bad as he was in the first half, Quinterly not really making much of an impact at that point off the bench. And you said it with Davison. You don't have to question effort with him. You know, what you like about J.D. Davison, among other things, is that if he is struggling with his shot or he's struggling to score, he'll go get 10 rebounds like he did against Vanderbilt with that double-double. Uh, but to see Quinterly for the second time in three games – produce like he did it's easy to forget just a couple games ago he had 21 and 8 in the home win uh, against Mississippi State so what do you think about Javon Quinterly at this point do you think we're about to see the guy that you mentioned Alabama really really needs at this time of the season and going into postseason play or you still see need to see some more from Javon in terms of consistency yeah I mean you need to see more I mean we've talked about it ad nauseum this year just the inconsistency with this team and that's you know a collective group of individuals and you know he's one of those he's been inconsistent um you know when he's on he's on and he looks like he did uh tuesday night and then he's had off nights and so i i think if this is a sign of things to come that's big for alabama because he was a big part of their you know late run in the season last year you know he was sec tournament mvp and um, you know played well in the NCAA tournament, so I think if he can get his confidence uh, where it needs to be, you know that'll be big. And um, you know I think really just the the big thing about um, you know Tuesday and, and, and Javon's not Alabama's best defensive player. I don't think anybody's coming out and saying that, but it's just it's the effort. Um, you know Nate Oates said that you know they they got to get him to where he's playing hard. And, um, you know, they're a lot better when he's playing well defensively in the game. And, and that was the case of what happened Tuesday night. And he answered that challenge. The question is, can he continue to answer that challenge? Because, you know, I'm, I'll be completely honest. I haven't watched a lot of South Carolina basketball this year. And, you know, when you said that about the standings, I had to go check. Not because I doubted you, just because I was like, really, South Carolina? Oh, you did. <laughs> you most certainly did. But go ahead, Charlie. And I but, don't, hey, by the way, I don't blame you. You know, pretty much everyone in my life, that's kind of the case. You know, I'm constantly getting fact-checked everywhere. It's just more of a situation where South Carolina hasn't been great. Right. And they've quietly won four straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And no, nobody's talking about South Carolina, but they have won four straight. Exactly. Like, you know, when South Carolina and Frank Martin come to town, you're going to get a fist fight in the street. Yep. But fight. It, it's, it, I wasn't expecting them to have the damn similar record to Alabama. So, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, with that coming in, uh, in a home game where you're like, we, we've been talking about, you're setting yourself up for, um, you know, a solid number five seed in the SEC tournament. 
um, you're setting yourself up for postseason success and maybe a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. You want Javon Quinterly to be playing well. It's just, you know, with this team all year long, it's tough to predict. You would like to think this is a the start of a, a trend, but, you know, that's been tough to nail down in 2022. You know, earlier in the season, um, in non-conference play, maybe so, but, you know, here of late, you know, you just you go out and you you wait to see what you see on the floor. Yeah, the conference in general, not to get too far away from Alabama, but just in general this season, it's been sort of amazing to watch because it's easy to forget about South Carolina when the Gamecocks start conference play one and four like they did. Meanwhile, you had a team like LSU that was white hot out the gates, and you're thinking, oh, wow, Will Wade's going to have this team right there in the mix now. You're seeing LSU fade down the stretch. Arkansas didn't get off to a good start. Now the Razorbacks are in good position in the top four teams in the league. So other than Auburn and Kentucky, there haven't been a lot of constants in this league. And so we're going to probably get to the tournament in Tampa and be surprised by some of the seedings and how they shook out because some early impressions uh, weren't exactly true to the big picture and uh, this game, I know it's crazy to say, but it is for fifth place uh, in the Southeastern conference and a big one for Alabama. And you said it right. I think as well, this game and Texas A&M midweek next week, a Buzz Williams team and a Frank Martin team back to back. They're going to check your toughness. So Jermaine Quisnard, the outstanding South Carolina guard, he scored 55 combined in the last two games He's sort of like Scottie Pippen Jr. He's a 6'4 guard. You know, he's physical, pretty good on the basketball. I'll turn it over some like Scottie Pippen Jr. does too. But I can promise you South Carolina is looking at Alabama's perimeter defense and saying to guys like Quisnard, saying to guys like Eric Stevenson and James Reese, we got to get in the paint and get to the rim against these guys because – that's the book on Alabama right now defensively. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Scotty Pippen uh, Jr. The, the ability to get to the line for him was a big uh, key to success for for Vanderbilt. You know, what did he shoot? Eighteen free throws in that game. Thirteen yeah. in the final four minutes. Yeah, you had yeah. a stretch where it was just yeah, Alabama had a possession, then Pippen went to the free throw line, and you know he had a chance to tie the game, but uh, and is a pretty good free throw shooter, but missed that um, you know second shot of the. Uh, the line, but yeah, it's, it is, you're right. If, if you got the blueprint to, to see success against Alabama, especially late in the game. So, you know, Alabama is going to have to clean that up and, you know, the, 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 the defensive effort is exactly what, um, you know, Nate Oates has been harping on. You know, we'll see if that continues to be to his liking. He was much more pleased with it against, uh, Vanderbilt, even though, you know, it was a, a close game. They let him come back in the second half, but you've got to d- sustain that. You've got to, you know, keep these guys from moving at the free throw line and, and doing what Scottie Pippen Jr. did. And if they can do that, if they can get this effort from Javon Quinterly, they'll be in good shape because they played pretty damn well at home this season. Yeah, it's amazing to me that Alabama, a couple of its last three wins, has been able to survive just the fouls and turnovers, right? Yeah. One point win over Arkansas a couple Saturdays ago. Alabama, 22 fouls, 24 turnovers. You just don't win those games. Now, it helps if you're playing at home, obviously. But again, even Tuesday night at Vanderbilt, you know, you're talking about uh, 18 turnovers, 
21 fouls. Uh, that's not the recipe to win on the road in the SEC, but Alabama has managed to do it. So with that, we turn our attention to some football items of interest. And we'll start with some news, I guess, that never really was news. It was, but it wasn't, I guess, more so from the NFL perspective where there was a report, I guess, coming out of New Orleans that Alabama's sports science duo of David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray might be in play for the New Orleans Saints. David Ballou, a couple of days ago, simply by a tweet, I guess, Charlie, put a lot of that to rest and uh, was comforting, I guess, for some Alabama fans. Yeah, there was a report that came out on Twitter. I believe it was Nick Underhill of um, New Orleans football. I want to get that right and attribute him. But he was the one that reported that the Saints were showing interest in in both of those guys. And it's not to be – that doesn't come as much of a surprise just because the way that Nick Saban and the players have have really appraised uh, Blue and Ray for their innovation and the way that they've come in and uh, implemented the technology that they use – that NFL teams are interested in them. That's not much of a surprise, but uh, you're right. Um, you know, there was kind of an uproar on the message board uh, on Twitter, you know, Reddit places that I was just kind of perusing of people freaking out. They didn't want to lose that duo, uh, even though you know you would think that, judging by the message board posts and tweets from during the season, that they would have wanted them to pack their bags and leave because of all the injuries. But you're right. Uh, David Ballou did put out that hashtag roll tide. And usually, um, you know, coaches do that for a commitment and things like that. And, you know, people were assuming or maybe guessing that it was because of Jalil Hurley, which is a big get for the football program, a commitment from an in-state five star. But uh, if you needed any confirmation, uh, Jeff Allen, who works hand in hand with these guys, Alabama's head athletic trainer, I quote tweeted that and said, you know, yes, sir. Roll Tide. Beyond happy to see this tweet today. Love watching the strength of the strength staff develop our players next level for sure. Let's go. So, you know, there was maybe some uh, worry within the the building that these guys were going to leave. But as of right now, it looks like David Blue is going to stay. Kind of surprised not to see something from Matt Ray because he's more active on social media uh, he hasn't tweeted as much as he maybe did in the season or in the past. He's really active on Instagram. And, you know, he's been working with, um, you know, a lot of guys that have come back to Alabama to to spend their offseason. Guys like Najee Harris, uh, Anthony Jennings, who was on IR for the Patriots this past season. And, of course, you know, he has what feels like a, a weekly or monthly just love fest for Will Anderson. He's posted that as well. But um, nothing from him concrete in terms of, you know, no worries, guys, I'm not going anywhere. So that'll be something to continue to monitor. But at the very least, it looks like Alabama will have its uh, strength and conditioning coach or what's his official title, director of sports performance. Sports performance, yeah. I think, is how we refer to it now. Yeah. For, uh, for a third year. And, and that's big, that continuity. Alabama's invested a lot in these two with the Sports Science Center with bringing in the the technology they use on the uh, the machines, the the weight benches, the squat racks, all that. So uh, yeah, it, it looks like for now, uh, at the very least, David Blue will be back. We'll see if anything materializes with with Dr. Ray or not. But uh, for now, half of the duo looks like it's staying in Tuscaloosa. The other one, TBD. As you said earlier, it makes a lot of sense from the NFL perspective. We talk so much about. Alabama players making the move to the National Football League, but 
yeah, if I'm an NFL team and I need a position coach or uh, look at the Saints and Doug Marone uh, making that union uh, official here in the last couple of days. And uh, and it goes beyond players, coaches and support staff, things like strength and conditioning. It's all it, it translates every aspect of Alabama's program translates to the National Football League with Nick Saban in charge. And we already saw a split, speaking of Marone. We saw Marone and Bill O'Brien split here mm-hmm. in the offseason. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see maybe for something a little more concrete with Dr. Matt Ray and Baloo. I will say, you know, they seem like guys that like the college gig. And strength and conditioning is a little different than assistant coaches. They're not out recruiting right. and, and things like that 24-7. Now, they do spend – a lot of time with the players, you have that off season, you have hell right now before spring practice starts, you have the fourth quarter program. We've seen, mm-hmm. you know, Alabama's put out video and you've seen uh, David Ballou out there and the quick snippets that they've put out. But you know, in the NFL, you do have an off season where you're probably not doing a whole lot um, because a lot of guys have personal trainers. They're doing stuff all over the country, maybe even out of the country. So there's the lure of maybe the off season, but I think a lot of the times with these strength and conditioning coaches, it's a year round gig. You're going to have a little bit of time off for sure at the college level, but it's really about developing, you know, young student athletes at the NFL level. These guys come in, you know, they have their own things. A lot of them have their own regimes. Just look at guys like Tom Brady, uh, but uh, or regimens. But um, so that that's just something to kind of keep in mind. It, it depends on maybe just what they want professionally and from an everyday standpoint, because uh, the college levels, while yes, at Alabama, like you talked about, is just the stepping stone to the NFL. You know, do you want to be with these guys every day to forge those relationships, to develop these guys into the you know athletic machines that you talk about? Or do you want to go, you know, work with guys that are already that and aren't going to maybe spend as much time with you in the off season? Just, yeah. just something to think about. No, it's a good point because the interaction and the actual time spent with players in the NFL has just shrinked, uh, shrunk tremendously uh, with the you know collective bargaining agreement and changes that have been made and uh, the NFLPA and those negotiations. You just don't have NFL guys. Uh, in a program nearly as much as you do, like, say, at a place like Alabama. And I got to think the rewards of doing that job at the college level are just tremendous in terms of the gains that you see. Yeah. Because guys come in really a lot of times in need of a total makeover physically, right? Look at so, Matt Jones. Ex- well, Matt, exactly. Or, you know, look at, say, Evan Neal. How rewarding has that been for David Blue and Matt Ray, having worked with Evan Neal initially at IMG right, and to yeah. see where he's gotten to uh, since his 10th grade year. So it goes beyond some things. And I think that's a, a good point you make there in terms of the relationship. So we'll see if uh, the dynamic sports performance, sports science duo remains together at Alabama. Speaking of uh, offseason, and goodness knows, spring practice just right around the corner. Wanted to take a pre-spring look at the inside linebacker position with you today, Charlie. And like it seems like every other area of this team, there's been some movement. Of course, you have Christian Harris moving on to the National Football League. Jackson Bratton has transferred to UAB. Shane Lee to USC. Am I missing anybody here in terms of attrition? No, I think that's it. 
So with that, we look at uh, a spring lineup, and it just doesn't seem often that when a guy goes into his junior season with as much tape and as much production as he already has, like Henry Toa Toa had going into 2021, and then to exceed 100 tackles, lead Alabama in that department, and then decide that he's going to hang around for another year, that's unusual a lot of times at this level. But it is that way with Henry Toa Toa back for a second season with the Crimson Tide. And between that decision and Jalen Moody initially entering the transfer portal, deciding to stay at Alabama, man, it feels like bonus time for this this position for the Crimson Tide. And I'm, I'm sure it uh, it feels that way for Pete Golding. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think getting both of those guys back is is big. Uh, you know, Jalen Moody's a guy that entered the transfer portal and then uh, after looking around decided to stay. And um, you know, that's that's something we don't see a lot these days, uh, really. I mean, King Makuta did it last year, but then entered the portal uh, a day after the national championship game. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. It, it does feel like overtime for for these players and. You know, it's a situation where if Jalen Moody goes out and, and wins the starting job at Will Linebacker, Alabama could have uh, up the middle three seniors on the defensive line and a Boygby, Dale, and Byron Young. You could have two seniors at inside linebacker and Toa Toa and Jalen Moody, and then two seniors at both the free and strong safety spots in Jordan Battle and DeMarco Ellis. And then, you know, you possibly throw a senior out there at at corner and Kyrie Jackson. So it can be a really um, veteran defense if you just look at it from that standpoint. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's going to be competition at the wheel spot for sure. I think Henry Toa Toa uh, obviously has that spot at the Mike linebacker position locked down, you know, coming in from Tennessee and, and being familiar with this defense and, and starting every game. But, you know, I think young guys like Deontay Lawson, uh, Kendrick Blackshire, they make sense. And then, uh, I know Tim loves him some uh, Jihad Campbell. Yes. And, you know, Nick Saban does too, uh, with just glowing remarks of him uh, on our um, 24-7 Sports National Signing Day uh, show, speaking with you know Josh Pate, Steve Volfong, those guys, uh, just really showering the true freshman with, with praise and saying he might be a guy that's able to uh, help them out early on. So uh, I, I don't think it's Jalen Moody's job – to, uh, or you know, it's that's not locked up. I think it maybe is his to lose, but you know, he's certainly capable of that because of the talent uh, behind him. It's not a, a super deep group because you mentioned Shane Lee and, and Jackson Bratton, you know, leaving the program, going elsewhere. But with um, you know Deontay Lawson, uh, Demoy Kennedy, you should mention him, even though he worked at running back this past mm-hmm. year. Blackshire, Ian Jackson, and then you bring in the, the couple of true freshmen and Campbell and Sean Murphy. That's a talented group, at least from a, a recruiting and stars standpoint. So uh, with the guys they have coming back that are going to be um, you know, a senior and a fifth-year senior and then some of the young talent, looks like Alabama's inside linebacker rooms you know, set up for success for not only this year but the future. Yeah, when you look at it, even with the attrition, in spring practice, you should be eight deep with quality yeah. guys at inside <laughs> linebacker with Jahad Campbell and Sean Murphy coming in and – you know, you mentioned the candidates, and I think it is safe to say that Jalen Moody's going to be a top three guy at yeah. worst. So when you look at Toa Toa and you look at Jalen Moody and you understand the importance of a third guy because of injuries, as we've seen so often, especially since the 2017 season, uh, 
Alabama managed that pretty well in 2021. So it's had the injury in the season opener against Miami, but it didn't really keep him off the field. Um, primary candidates for that number three spot. I, I would think Deontay Lawson would have to be in that mix. Uh, but you're right with what we've heard about Campbell and what you've seen from him in terms of his versatility and what appears to be a very, very high football IQ. This is a guy, I guess, that could come in. And if he isn't, you know, a guy that pushes for a starting job next to Henry Toa Toa, uh, at least a, a third spot, a, a top three spot could be within his grasp. Yeah, I think outside of the two seniors, uh, Deontay Lawson would be next in line for me. You know, we saw him step in in the spring game, um, you know, when some guys were out with injury and, um, yeah, I think for COVID related reasons. But, you know, he's someone that the staff was high on uh, going into the season. You know, we saw him with a, a knee brace on for a lot of the year. So that probably had to do with some of the reason we didn't see him maybe on special teams as much or, you know, getting games as much. But um, I think with a, a full off season, you know, another spring, uh, summer, you know, chance to, to get healthy and to, to continue to learn the defense, that'd be big for Deontay Lawson going into year two. But yeah, I mean, John Campbell, you know, you look at what's happened at, at outside linebacker, just with Will Anderson coming in, um, with Dallas Turner seeing that blueprint and, and really doing the same thing, even though you know, some of that was because of injuries, um, it, it wouldn't shock me to see a, a newcomer to come in and, and do that. And Jihad Campbell would be at the top of the list for sure. Um, you know, Sean Murphy is another talented uh, inside linebacker as well, coming in, having won the, the high school buckets award. But, you know, Campbell, you mentioned that versatility. He seems like just the way that you know, people are talking about him. It, it's kind of setting up to be like that. And it wouldn't shock me at all to see maybe, you know, I doubt we're out there for spring drills. I keep saying that, but with Toa Toa and Moody as the first two, and then maybe, you know, Lawson and, and Campbell as the next two. So I, I think in that, that quartet, yeah, that that's really strong. And then, you know, guys like Kennedy and Blackshire, um, you know, can continue to provide depth and play on special teams. So yeah, it, for me, it starts with beyond the seniors with Deontay Lawson, but some of those young guys are, are going to be certainly uh, competing for that spot, and it should be fun to watch. When you think about 2023, because you kind of have to, almost like the quarterback position, yeah, uh, going into the spring and sort of trying to identify some uh, potential successors to guys like Bryce Young at quarterback, Henry Toa Toa, Jalen Moody, both going into their final seasons at inside linebacker. It's certainly not hard to envision a year from now, Lawson, Campbell, and Murphy being top three type guys, regardless of what happens in 2022. Kendrick Blackshire, by the way, love him on kickoff coverage. I think it was a (laughs) Texas A&M game. He wasn't in there, and we saw what happened, right, in the first half of that game, the touchdown return. Uh, So you can never undervalue special teams with a position like this and Ian Jackson and Kennedy and Blackshire and maybe Deontay Lawson more in that regard. Certainly young guys like Campbell and Murphy. When you think about special teams streams positions that do that for those kick coverage and kick return units, uh, this is a big one in, in Alabama with this depth at inside linebacker and outside linebacker for that matter. And uh, some other positions should be, should be improved in that area in 2022 well charlie it's been a lot of fun kind of covered a myriad of topics baseball softball some football 
some basketball anything else we need to hit on you think i think we're good it's just crazy it's uh spring practice you mentioned it it'll, it'll be here before we know it i think spring breaks the week of uh the 11th through the 18th and we always know that the nick saban likes to start up that that friday practice yeah yeah and, you think uh, it's coming you think we're gonna have that the friday practice before spring break uh break the tra- the traditional one now yeah i mean it's you know, it, it's what we've seen in the past, and you know, Nick Saban's a guy that you can kind of set your watch to, so that wouldn't shock me. Alabama hasn't said anything, at least from an official standpoint, and they can always move these things around. We know A-Day is going to be the 16th, but um, you know, that's kind of where I'm leaning toward. Uh, I don't want to say anything official and or you know, put it on the message board or say it here. Charlie said. Yeah, but no, it, it's coming up quick. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, it, it's – I don't want to say this is a downtime because it's been busy as hell with the basketball, baseball, softball. You mm-hmm. got football news still happening. Um, you know, Gymnastics. You got, you got all yeah. those videos from Nick Saban popping up from that uh, Alabama Football Coaches Association uh, clinic. But uh, I've been trying to, to catch up on some TV of late. I know that's a popular topic whenever Tim's on the podcast. Yeah, what do you got for us on the uh, on the stream or the cable? Well, what do you got? I got I got one you'll love and one you won't give a damn about. Um, I I, <laughs> I watch the Peacemaker show on HBO Max, which is you know a character from the the Suicide Squad movie. It's DC Comics, so I know that's not your jam. But the wife and I did start uh, Righteous Gemstones. And, oh, yeah, good for you guys. <laughs> so we're. I think we're three episodes in, so we've been introduced to Baby Billy Freeman. Oh, Baby Billy! Yeah, maybe it's the a, best character on stream <laughs> or cable in the last hundred years. Maybe just the last hundred. That's all. I, and like I, you know, man, Walton I'm, Goggins is so great. Man. He is. I'm he from, is the best. I'm from Northeast Alabama. I, I grew up in a Baptist church. <laughs> it's gonna ring with you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't go to these giant churches, but I've I've seen them. I know people that did, and just oh. some of the vernacular and things that are said. Not not necessarily the the um, you know choice of, of words that they use. Right. It is it is familiar? I will. Say. Yeah. Baby Billy's awesome, but I'm gonna tell you, Judy Lee is right there. She is so. I don't want to say underappreciated. I think people who watch the show totally get it. But, um, oh, yeah, definitely, man. Yes, yes, yes. daughter of Amy Lee. Yes. Exactly. I think, yeah, she has been a very underrated character. And she only gets better, trust me. And I I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I mean, just get in. The the wife loves her. She I think every time she opens her mouth, she's she's chuckled. But um, <laughs> it, it's funny too because it is a, a show, and you know this. Danny McBride owns the screen when he's on. Oh it. yeah, such a dynamic character and everything he plays. Whether yeah. this movie, Kenny Powers, um, oh, or this yeah. show, Kenny Powers, Vice Principles. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it even like like Hot Rod, which is one of the most underrated uh, comics out there. He's it he's is like great, that. but. To see other people shine like this has been very refreshing. Oh, it's the, the the there's not a character really that that doesn't get their shine. Trust me. And uh, if you haven't gotten to the Outback restaurant scene yet, oh, it's a oh not yet, not yet. Oh, Only three yeah. Oh, I got you. I got you. You you you'll you'll, you'll never forget it. I can <laughs> promise you that. Well, good stuff, Charlie. We appreciate it as always. Giving us a little update there on the uh, TV consumption. There's more than sports in this world, believe it or not. Although we'll be locked in throughout the weekend for you at BamaOnline.com, as we've talked about here on today's pod, plenty of baseball, plenty of softball, certainly a big one at Coleman Coliseum 
Saturday evening between Alabama and South Carolina on the basketball court. So uh, spring practice right around the corner. We're going to have it all for you, including right now at Bama Online, you can find Charlie's five Alabama early enrollees to know as spring practice nears. We may have talked about one or two of them here on today's show, but you can go to BOL right now and check out Charlie's outstanding work. Of course, Tim Watts, Hank South, Kirk McNair, all do a super job for us at BOL. Until next time, Charlie, hey, uh, en- enjoy yourself, all right, while you can. I'll try to. And uh, right. I will say this. I know you always say this about us, but uh, you do a hell of a job on this podcast. I know everybody loves your analysis whenever you write it up on the site, but you always praise me and Hank and Tim and, and Kurt, but hell of a host, and uh, we're lucky to have you, Travis. I appreciate that, man. Gosh, I might, I might have to. Do you got Venmo? <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for that. That's why I said it. <laughs> I, I figured. I know Charlie pretty well. No, seriously, I appreciate that, but, man, it takes all of us um, to hopefully uh, do a job that, that, that the Alabama fan base uh, wants to be a part of. And the roundtable there at BamaOnline.com, speaking of – Community is a great place to hang out with us as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us here on the pod. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.